0: Welcome back to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs Podcast. In today's episode, we welcome Karen Rolfe back to the podcast because we have a clinic with Karen in South Australia coming up in September. So I wanted to get her back onto the podcast to talk about the clinic and you know clinics in general and the dressage naturally kind of philosophy in general um, so that we can have a little bit of a sneak peek into what we can expect in September. Now, Karen has been on the podcast before, so you can hear all about her journey um, in that episode. But um, if you haven't heard of Karen, she teaches students of all disciplines and levels from around the world and is well-known for training horses with a priority on partnership, a student-empowering approach to teaching, and a positive and balanced point of view. She believes in getting to the heart of our mental, emotional, and physical partnership with our horses by bringing together the best of the worlds of dressage and partnership-based training. Training. Now Karen is coming to Australia in September. We're all very excited. And in South Australia, she's going to be hosting a seminar style clinic which will dive into the key concepts, attitudes, principles and exercises that are at the heart of doing dressage in harmony with your horse. Spectators, non-riding attendees will feel like they are just as much a part of the learning experience as the riders as Karen will include simulations that everyone can join. The clinic begins with an evening discussion, then two full days of playing with the horses and riders. Everyone in attendance will walk away with new perspectives and exercises they can apply to their own horses, regardless of what level they are. And we do have a bonus. So when you sign up as a spectator before the end of July, you will get access to a special pre-clinic virtual meeting with Karen happening in August. It will be a great way to say hello and start to get to know Karen and her way of teaching and training prior to the clinic in September. And we'll have a discussion and she'll give you some things to think about before we get into the clinic. So that is actually happening on August 22nd, 7.30 p.m. Adelaide time via Zoom. So make sure if you're interested in attending the clinic, um, you need to sign up before the end of July to get access to that. And it's not just for South Australians. We do have people flying from interstate and making a a bit of a trip of it, um, to come to South Australia, watch the clinic and spend some time here. So if you're interstate and you're thinking about joining us, then you are most welcome. So head on over to amaliadempseycom slash Karen Rolfe to find out more details and register. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode with Karen Rolfe. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory. And now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast, Karen Rolf. Thank you so much for being here again. I'm really excited for not only this episode, but also for September when you're coming to Australia and giving us some clinics. Super excited. Thank you again.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on the pod. Always happy to be here. And yeah, I'm really excited about coming to Australia again. I can't believe it. <laughs>
0: So good. I'm actually really curious to know if you've been to Australia. I think you have been to Australia before. And what you, aside from the horses and the clinics, what do you like about Australia?
1: Well, actually, the first time that I uh, went to Australia was right after I graduated university. And I had this little bit of money and I thought, I can get myself to Australia. So I just went um, by myself and I knew one family there. And then I just booked these trips. So one of my favorite parts of Australia was going for a week long camel trek in the rainbow Valley, rainbow desert somewhere in Australia. And, um, and this tour was really cool because they weren't like camels tied nose to tail. Like they were X racing camels and they had minds of their own and it it was only five of us. So, um, that was just awesome. It was so beautiful. And it was right after there had been some really big flooding. So there was lots of flowers and green, even though it was in like semi desert. And anyway, so that was fun. I did the Ayers Rock thing. And, um, but I think, you know, what struck me right away in Australia is just, I don't know, it just felt like the United States, but like years ago when it was like younger and friendlier, <laughs> emptier. <laughs> So it was, yeah. it was just really easy to be there. And at that age, it was very welcoming. Um, So it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. And then, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it feels familiar, but just new and different too. But um, just the people have been amazing every time we've gone. So
0: cool. I was speaking to the non-horsey husband about um, you coming to Australia and we were saying like, oh, I've never been to America, and you know what are the differences and that sort of thing. And he goes, well, you know, there's 20 million people in Australia, and there's like 300 million or something in America. I don't know if they're they're exact, but I'm like, I can't even picture that many people. So I know you're probably yeah. Right like- in like it feels like it's a kind of like a. A country town here in Australia, and you—I don't know if you've been to Adelaide yet, but um, that probably would take it to a whole new level because people say Adelaide's like a, a country town in a city.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cool because um, yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna go after your clinic. We're gonna go to Kangaroo Island for a few days and then kind of just bop around Adelaide. I don't know. We we're a little bit open open ended, so
0: I think you and Dana will really like Adelaide. Fingers crossed, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then
1: you come back. <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to please us. I mean, we just love sort of just going for a drive and just seeing, just kind of soaking in the vibe. And, um, and Sydney's beautiful. We love visiting Sydney. And yeah, it's, it just, I think Dana would be here all the time. I'm just, I like <laughs> being home also, but, um, yeah, Dana has a couple of times been like, I could move to Australia. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> please don't, but yeah. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like I'm staying her, but you he wants hear. to come along. <laughs> Well, it's nice because he wants to come along and just traveling is always more fun with him. So, um yeah, it's nice to, to have him as a travel buddy that that's excited to come to.
0: So nice. And will he be at the clinics as well? Or
1: Oh, yeah. 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 And he'll be doing some. He, we'd like to video everything, you know, so we can have it for the classroom if, Amazing. you know, if we stuff and yeah so it's just super that he does that cuz that's not, that's a not a fun job sitting behind the video camera the whole time but uh he's he's got his system down and it's always really nice to have it uh you know in in many circumstances to be able to see it again and definitely share it so other people can help, can learn from it too
0: yeah so for those listening who won't be in Australia for those clinics they'll be able to benefit from the lessons and the things that you teach people through the video classroom so that's amazing and yeah, you've got two and a half days basically here um, at the clinic in September. What do you plan on teaching us in that time?
1: <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting. Cause it's, I mean, it's such a short amount of time, um, but I made it a, a little game for myself. Cause I mean, I've done one day clinics, three day clinics, five day clinics, six day, you know, so I can, I can drop in and just go teach and not have to prepare anything. But I played a little game with myself this time. And I said, all right, if I only had two and a half days to make the biggest effect on people's horsemanship and the progress they make with a horse, what would I do? And so that's, I kind of just played that little thought experiment and to see what I could come up with. And uh, so I thought about, you know, there's there's so many different ways to do clinics. And sometimes you have an instructor that comes and like they just play with your horse themselves or they ride the horse and you get something out of that for sure. Um but often when I see that then I I the student is usually like, Oh, I'll never be able to do that myself. You know, it's makes it, you know, hard sometimes to take that home with you. And then on the other end of the spectrum is kind of how I like to teach, which is I'm really focused on empowering people of not just do this exercise and know when I say it's good, but how do you know when it's good? And how do you know why I chose that exercise? What's the concept? Because if you know the concepts, then you can make your own decisions based on what happens, you know, because we know, (laughs) you know, you can have plans, but your horse will do something different. So I really like to teach people to, to understand the thought process, understand the concept, and know how to self assess. And then you can make these little decisions along the way that are so unique to every. That's what trainers are really doing, right? We're kind of playing around. We feel the right moment. We make a decision um, based on that. And uh, that's exciting to me is not just me being able to orchestrate getting a result, but me being able to set students free to go, I get it. I'm going to play with it. And look, I just got it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Uh, That's what really lights me up. So, so yeah, I, I, uh, I was like, all right, well, it's not just about exercises. It's about, um, the concept behind the the exercise. It's also about the attitude with which you play with the exercise. And then it's sort of, um, some core principles that the exercises live in. And then there's the exercises, (laughs) So that's where I um, I was like, okay, we need concepts, attitudes, principles, and exercise. And I just wrote down the most important ones under each subject, and then I tried to whittle it down and going, okay, but if I only had to pick four, if I only had to pick, you know, and then I was like, and then if I only had two and a half days to teach it, and that's how I arrived at what we're going to teach at the clinics. So I'm really excited.
0: Me too. Yeah. And it, it's a lot. It sounds like it's a lot to kind of, Cram into two and a half days, and I think people are kind of wondering, like, what's the format? Like, are we going to be doing individual lessons? Are we going to be doing group sessions, simulations, theory? Like, what's actually going to be involved in terms of the the logistics?
1: Yeah, uh, pretty much yes to just about everything you said there. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's where we're going to start with uh, with meeting the afternoon evening. Um, I'm not sure what time. You'll figure that. It'll out. be evening. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, we'll meet the evening before, and I find like doing you know an hour and a half or two hours the evening before like then you have a chance to sleep on it, and you can arrive already with you know i'll at that one, I'll really talk a lot about some of the concepts and principles, the things that kind of need to soak in, and so we'll have a really fun discussion there and just kind of like set the playing field like here's how we're we're gonna operate. And, um, I think that's really important for students to be able to drop into that. I mean, a, a lot of them will be familiar with what I do, but I'm, I'm hoping there's a lot of people who have no idea who I am and what I do, but they're, or maybe they're just a little curious or someone told them and they can just like, ah, oh, like, okay, here's the playing field we're going to be playing in. And then the next two days we can kind of. I don't know. Hit the ground running is not a good term, but I <laughs> don't know if you have that expression. <laughs> but because we're gonna hit, the, we're gonna hit the ground relaxing. Yes. <laughs> um, but but then it'll be a combination of um, group. Um, sim- we'll do some simulations. I love simulations, and everybody will be able to play with these, and they're super fun. Uh, so I really want to teach it. Kind of, I'll call it seminar style. I don't know if that's the official term, but I will be teaching. To everyone who's there. And of course, I'll be teaching the people with the horses in front of me, but I'm going to be turning around just as much because I really want everybody to get it. And, um, so some simulations that we all do discussions, um, there'll be some exercises that we um, do with a partner and there's going to be some things that we can do. All, all the horses will be out there. I mean, we'll have to you know, look at the space. I think the arena you have is that will be at at your place will be a little smaller. So we're going to change a little bit and break it into smaller groups. So I'm going to make it work. Um, but what I really love to do with this sort of thing is if I do a good enough job describing the principles and the concepts and giving people like, here's how it's going to go, here's what you're looking for, here's how you play with it. And then I want to watch them, what they do with that information. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm very conscious about when I come in and micromanage, right? And I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to micromanage you for a second. But what, because if I micromanage too much, then again, when I leave, they're like, Oh my God, that feels amazing. And I leave. And then the next day they'll go out to ride the horse and I go, wait, how did, how did we get that? (laughs) Cause I didn't share how I got that. So I right away from the beginning be like, here's the idea. You play with it. And, and I really encourage students to have a dialogue. Like, If you have a question, ask me. And just that process of realizing you have a question and being so bold as to raise your hand and go, hey, I need a question is actually a huge part of being able to like learn and progress. So I really like to create that safe learning environment where we're trying to get this done. We're trying to see everybody where they are. And like, here's the concept and exercise that anybody at any level can use to take the next step. And I know that sounds really weird to say, really, anybody at any level? I'm like, yeah, those are the ones that I picked for this clinic. So you can take a lot of these principles and concepts and exercises and play with them for canner walk canner transitions or, you know, on in, in collection or walk trot transition stretching mm-hmm. or on a loose rein. So um, that's what I think is going to be super fun for the riders, but also for the people watching because it's like, oh, that's the theme, that's the heart of it. And now how do we, how does that show up in all these different horse rider combinations that will be in front of me?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds incredible. And I think people were used to, especially here in South Australia, two different styles of clinic formats. The first is just individual lessons, one after the other. And the second is, you know, a whole group of people at the same time throughout the whole day. And it sounds like this is going to be very different, a very different experience um, for people watching and participating. And I agree with you in that it's really, it, it really does need to be about empowering people to kind of own what they're doing to have that dialogue with the horse and really understand why they're doing it. Because as you say, you can micromanage them in the lesson or the session. And then when they go away, they're like, hang on a second, it's not working now because you're not there micromanaging. Um So yeah, that's really exciting for everyone. I think it's going to be very different to what people ex- are expecting in terms of a clinic here in South Australia. And we also have a bonus pre-clinic virtual meeting for all riders and spectators coming up in August. You do need to sign up before the end of July to be eligible for that um, pre-clinic meeting. So that's going to be really exciting. What can we expect in that virtual meeting? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I want to. I want to just. I mean, I think it's really, really a cool idea. And again, it's like this other layer of deciding to show up right so a lot of times people like you said they go to a clinic and if you're going there just to watch you're like okay i'm gonna sit in the chair i'm gonna watch this stuff happening out there in front of me and taking another step to like actually engage yourself it's like i'm gonna you know and so just the act of going i'm gonna sign up so i can do that zoom meeting and i don't know what it's gonna be but i'm gonna click the button i'm just gonna be there on the screen and see what happens like that's that's I know I'm already having an effect on the results people are going to get when they get to the clinic. So I'm I'm trying to just give a reason to engage. I also, it's really important to, for me, to quickly build that safe learning environment, the rapport. For some reason, a lot of times people attending clinics are nervous. And I don't know why, because all the pressure is on me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I- if a student is like
1: all falling apart, like that's fine. I'm supposed to put it back together. <laughs> so I'm always I'm always a little like, really? Why are you nervous? Like I'm the one that everybody's staring at. <laughs> anyway, so I I'm it's important to me to kind of have that like, let's everybody just take a breath, get to know each other. It's all safe. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna have fun. We're here to learn. I don't know what's going to happen because I haven't seen any of the horse and riders left, you know, yet. So like, nobody else has anything to worry about. And so I think if we can arrive and, and I'll be giving people things to think about, right. So some of these principles and concepts that take a minute to drop in, I mean, there's, some of them are really big and deep and maybe really different than people have thought about. So I'll, I'll start talking about some of that already. So it's a real advantage not just to like get the familiarity. So when we see each other in Australia, be like, it's you, I remember you, you're the one who had the cat that walked across the screen, you know? <laughs> uh, so we'll all be, already be more comfortable, but some of these concepts, like I'll be able to give you guys or anybody on the call things to start watching for and thinking about and noticing and maybe playing with um as they're out with their horses. So things are already going to start to change. Yeah you know, just looking, you know, just looking at something from a slightly different angle, it can give you an entirely new perspective and new information. So the power of just shifting someone's viewpoint, even 1% yeah. can really change things to a huge degree down the road. So that will be the, the point of that. So, um, you know, the clinic, it's not like you're missing anything if you don't come, but actually kind of you are. <laughs> So the clinic the clinic stands on its own, but this is definitely a really cool bonus that I think is going to um, just be a really big, valuable part of the experience.
0: Yeah, I really like the idea because um, as I've mentioned to you before, I think riders can get kind of cold feet before a clinic like, oh, you know, should I should I just pull out now because I'm a bit worried that this is going to happen or maybe my horse isn't ready or what if it's too much atmosphere for my horse? What if I make a fool of myself, you know? if you're listening to this and you're relating to these um, kind of thoughts before a clinic, perhaps Karen, you can give us some tips on how to (laughs) negate that, how to help prepare our horses best for a clinic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really your horse, I mean, if you feel like your horse is not going to be comfortable with the trip or the environment, I mean, there's some time, right? So you know, we have some time between right now and when the clinic is. And so I would get really specific if there really is a concern like, oh, my God, he's never been off the property. He's never been on this horse trailer and he's never been in an arena with more horses. I'm like, well, maybe we should start addressing that. So you can get specific and say, well, let me just start practicing with the trailer. or Let me practice riding with some other people on purpose ahead of time, you know, because there might be whatever alarm bells are going off, it might be real. It might be like, oh yeah, I really need to practice that. So that's great information. But um, as far as just the, oh my God, I'm not ready. Please do not go crazy (laughs) trying to like go up three levels before I see you because you're perfect exactly the way you are. Where you are now is what I will help you with. So for me, there's no Way you need to be that's going to make me walk in and go, Oh, you're not advanced enough. (laughs) I mean, I, so my whole thing is like, can we meet people exactly where they are? And then go, okay, what, what do we think we should do next? And, you know, by design, these, what I'm going to teach will be appropriate for everybody and we can play with it at different levels. So, um, yeah. And again, the pressure is on me. I mean, I'm, I'm here to help you and your horse. And the best thing you can do is just arrive feeling like yourself. Yeah. You know, I think the important thing is that your horse is healthy and fit enough. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's for sure. Healthy and fit enough and can arrive there with where you feel like you did what you could to prepare. So when you look back, even if your horse gets there and freaks out, but you tell the story, you could go, well, he's freaking out, but you know, I did all these things to prepare. Yeah. And, you know, but it still happens. And then you know what? You tell us, like, so somebody's there and they're like, Oh my God, my horse is freaking out. So you, you come up and you ask for help and you go, Amalia, Karen, my horse is freaking out. And it, it and like, oh, okay, well, maybe we can start helping you with that yeah. there. Like, I think it's the spirit of we're all here to help each other that no one is supposed to perform for me. If you're a diehard Dressage Naturally fan, you are not here to perform a test. For me to judge, I mean, I my brain doesn't even go there, and that's why I'm like when people say it, I'm like you're what what <laughs> like I'm I'm not thinking that I'm thinking what do I see, and where can we improve? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, so I hope I hope that makes people feel more relaxed. Definitely, and I don't I'm not going to bring a big red magic marker. <laughs>
0: And Karen, I feel like you're not the sort of instructor that if someone, you know, brings up how they're feeling, you know, maybe they they, you know, they're worried that their horse isn't quite comfortable. You're not going to be the sort of instructor that says, push him through it, you'll be fine. It's like, no, let's let's help you both in that situation. So people can take a deep breath knowing that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. If you're worried, if you're afraid, I'll I'll probably ask you questions about it. like, okay, well, what, what exactly, you know, sometimes there's a reason to be afraid, you know, and we wanna know um but you know i can give you a little sneak peek one of the attitudes that i have under my attitudes is the non-judgmental awareness mm-hmm. right to just look at what's happening and say well this is happening not this sucks or this is bad or this is good or you're worse than that one or you should have been it's just like oh look there's a thing look at that <laughs> you know So that's something I really do my best to practice. It's hardest to practice on myself, but I'm really good at doing it with other people. But everybody's experiencing that, right? So think of um, for anybody preparing to come to the clinic with a horse, just try to extend the same grace to yourself that you would to... Um, another rider who's coming to the clinic, right? You probably wouldn't look at another rider. God, you're terrible. How do you? you have no business showing up? But we'll say that to ourselves, right? So I know that this happens. And that's why that's one of the attitudes that, um, I'll be really highlighting is this just to look at everything with a non judgmental awareness. Look, there's a thing. That's it. Where do we go from here?
0: Love that. Yeah. Difficult to put into practice though. I, now that we've got a sneak peek of one of the attitudes. I would love to have some more sneak peeks. Maybe could you give us a little sneak peek into some of the perhaps concepts or principles or exercises?
1: Sure. Um, let's see. Which one do I want to give a sneak peek with? Um, one, of, one of my – well, let's start with this one. So one of the concepts is to start with what you already can do. So, you know, it's easy to be focusing on things that are not working. And it's easy to get really focused on that, especially trainers. I mean, you know, trainers are like, all right, what's not working? What do I need to make better? What do I need to make better? And sometimes the fastest way to improve something or to progress something is to take what you already can do and make it even lighter, even yummier, even softer. Even, you know, whatever the criteria are, just try to improve and raise your standard for that. And sometimes, you know, people want to, you know, do something. Okay. What's the next exercise? What's the next thing I need to be trying to do? And, um, yeah, <laughs> I know those of us are driven, you know, and sometimes it's like, well, let me just go back and I can do all the transitions, but like, how yummy can I do the transitions? Can I really be an active neutral? Um, so that's another, I think. I picked that one because I think for people who are thinking, oh, my God, I'm not ready. Don't go out and start trying to learn more stuff between now and the clinic. Just take what you can do and think, how can I take the easy things that we already can do and just be softer, be more relaxed, be more in harmony with it, be more crisp or be more response, you know, whatever it is, just pick one criteria at a time. And see if you can just raise your standard for that. Because what often happens is then the next thing in the progression starts automatically becoming easier to do because you're, you're naturally prepared. So, um, that's, that's a really good problem solving. It's a concept, but it, it really helps with actual tangible decision making and problem solving. And it stops people from, um, what is it you, promote to the level of incompetence in a business, you know, people get promoted to their level of incompetence. So people tend to go, well, I can kind of do that and that and that, and let's go to this thing, you know, instead of like, well, why don't we stay back here and make this even better? And then pretty soon you're building quality up higher already. Yeah. So there's a sneak peek concept that people can use.
0: Ooh, love that. Um, and I feel like with those little sneak peeks that you've given us, um, that's probably piqued people's curiosity to want to come to the pre-clinic uh, virtual meeting as well as the clinic. Um, but one question I have for you that I'd love to know from your perspective, because obviously you've got quite a range of online programs that personally I've done and love, um, but I'd love to know what you think are the main differences between learning in an online setting versus a clinic situation.
1: Oh, online versus clinic. Well, yeah. Um
0: or maybe it's not verses. maybe it's what are the
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I mean they're, I think when you're there live I mean it for the person on the horse or the people watching
0: um maybe on the horse
1: yeah okay yeah I mean the the always the benefit is to you know even if it's not like a micromanaging individual lesson for the whole time. I mean, I'm going to be watching all the individuals and there's, there's something incredibly powerful just in someone going, Hey, Amalia right there. Awesome. You know, because a lot of times we humans are thinking, well, that felt good, but I'm not sure it was good enough. So I'm going to try a little harder. And so, so maybe I'll speak for myself. And sometimes someone just, just riding by going, Oh, that's pretty. and like, mm-hmm. Oh, and then I relax, and then everything gets yummi.er So having that moment where there's a living, breathing person who, who knows what you've been playing with, and then sees the breakthrough and can confirm it right in that moment can be hugely powerful. Um, and also the the ability to see lots of different horses all in one place playing with the same exercise. Yeah. Right. So you're like, okay, Karen gave the concept; she gave the instructions. Here's how it looks on a halflinger. Here's how it looks on a warm blood. Here's how it looks with a high energy horse. Here's how it looks with a low energy horse. And we can all see them right in front of us, you know, in real time. And then when you can see different versions of horses and riders and levels playing with the same thing, you start to see, oh, that you get more comfortable going, oh, that is the concept that goes through it. Like, no, even though this looked like this and she did it at the walk and she did it at the canner, like. Oh, I see what's in common with that. And then it solidifies the understanding of the concept, I think. I hope. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. I'm looking forward to experiencing that myself. Um and I, I could relate, like when you said um those sort of yes moments that you can really pick up in person. I've found that when I video myself watching back, I go, Oh, that was a yes moment and I missed it. You know, I didn't think it was good enough. But watching, I'm like, wow, that was really good. Why didn't I take that? But Anyway,
1: I know I do the same thing. I'm like, "Stop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I can just get it a little better. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd love to know what is your favorite thing about doing clinics
1: Hmm. i the the energy of the group, and that's probably why I you know try to make it really included in the group. I love when there's a good energy, the group and I, you can feel, um, gosh, like there'll be a rider playing with something and she's been playing with it. Maybe it's hard and I'll be maybe working with somebody else. And then all of a sudden I hear, you know, 40, 50 people go, oh, (laughs) and then I'm like, they all saw that breakthrough and I turn around and the, you know, and it's like to feel that energy where it's supportive and people are getting it. So it comes back to that empowering thing. I think to see people relax and trust themselves and start to be free to play and experiment, not be afraid to make mistakes. And just that collaborative spirit is, um, it's quite addicting. And I think it's what the world needs more of right now. And it's just super fun to see horses being loved and appreciated and people being free to play and everybody improving and to feel the energy of the supportive group that when, when that clicks and falls into place, it's just super, super energizing for me.
0: I'm excited for that. And um, we do have a real mixed bag of people and writers um, attending and some people, yes, are really familiar with your work and others perhaps have only just heard about you. So for someone who, has only just heard about you and perhaps they're coming from like a quote-unquote pure dressage background, what would you say Mm -hmm. is different about dressage naturally? I know you've sort of already touched on that, but if you had to kind of summarize it, what would you say to someone who's from that background?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest difference is the lack of the micromanaging part of the teaching, right? So I I really, um, you know, I love the dialogue with the with the person, I really emphasize that the person will be there's a lot of the exercises involve dialogue mm. where I'm asking questions and they're answering in real time, you know, and then and we're making sure that we're telling the horse. So it's much less militaristic.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and and much more like a dialogue conversation where the horse is included in that <clears throat> that conversation. Um so I think that's probably the biggest difference. And then just to kind of, I know um, sometimes equipment comes up with that when there's like people who've been doing natural horsemanship and then people who have come from dressage and they're like, okay, there's like nose bands and equipment that some people are like horrified at and other, you know, and so I want to just let people know, like, I really will meet you where you are. Don't feel like you have to go run out and get some piece of equipment that you don't usually use on your horse. If there's a couple things you've had questions about, then, you know, bring both of those and we'll see. But I like to start with where people are with what they're using. And I, I don't usually change that unless I feel like it's actively interfering with them trying to do the thing that we're trying to do. Right. So sometimes, you know, people are a little surprised, like Karen, you hate nose bands and you let that rider ride with a band the whole time. I'm like, yeah, but it It was not over tight and it wasn't you know it wasn't cruel it wasn't hurting the horse and you know but often by the end if you know if it's a someone comes to me with a contact problem and then the the noseband the way it's adjusted is actually going different than the principle and the concept and the exercise we're trying to do but i will talk to the rider about it and i will let the rider decide what do you think based on this logic what do you think we should do um, and then, the, yeah, like I said, the only time I'll veto it is if I you know, clearly see a saddle that is actively causing horse pain or it's clearly damaging, you know, then, then, you know, and again, I'll explain it to him. So it's going to be no shaming, no, you know, judging, right? We're going to just look and we're going to see, and we might change something. If it feels right, we might not. Um, yeah. So I just want everybody to know that, you know, if there's a different lots of different you know styles um that we're going to approach everybody with non-judgmental awareness and we're going to look at it, everything as a what is what is on the horse and what are we trying to do and is this piece of equipment working is it neutral working against us or working for us and then we'll decide accordingly but everybody can feel free to show up in what they think works best with their horse
0: perfect and with our spectators, we've got quite a few coming along to watch. Do you have any tips for them in terms of how to really get the most out of watching? Because, you know, it's easy just to sit there and kind of watch, but without really thinking about how you're going to apply it to your own situation. What would you say to spectators who, you know, really want to get the most out of this experience?
1: Yeah, just to to stay engaged, I promise to try to be entertaining enough that you don't fall asleep. But uh, I would say like when there's the simulations, join us, like you you'll be able to join us. And, you know, some people will be running around. Some people can do it in their seat, but I would just say, just, just join us. Just give it, give it a try. You know, even if, even if it's some of them seem really dumb, (laughs) but uh, even if it seems like, Oh, that's really silly and dumb. Like just entertain it a little bit. Like just, just be open-minded and play with us and just see, you know, let yourself experience that. And then, you know, and if there's discussions and you have questions to ask, so I always, you know, go up, not sideways. Right. So if you're seeing something that doesn't seem like it makes sense, instead of whispering to your neighbor, that really doesn't look like it makes sense. Raise your hand, (laughs) you know, and I'm really open to questions, um, you know, yeah I'm open to questions you know everybody doesn't have to agree with me but just approach it with um with a you know the spirit of helping and the spirit of we're there for we're there for the riders they brought their horses I want them to have a good um, experience I will protect the space for them and for everybody else so Mm -hmm. but with that said um I love questions and I love discussion and um yeah open-minded be willing to play and then yeah, don't be afraid to raise your hand.
0: Yes, and for those wondering what a simulation is, because that's quite a new thing here um, in South Australia. If you haven't been to that type of clinic before, it's basically where. Well, how would you describe it, Karen? It's it's where you get people involved in feeling something without a horse there, so that you can then apply it. Right. There. What would you?
1: Yeah, it's and and it's you know the, some of the ones I do are like simulations or activations. I don't know. It's it's where you. Participate and do something with your own self, not and and maybe with a partner or other people, but sometimes just by yourself. That will cause you to um, f- have a new awareness about your own self, or you get to experience the what I'm trying to do with the horses. So one of the simulations is the the main one for what I call the sweet spot protocol. Is the main theme of how I affect a horse's way of moving. And there's like these three different dials we can turn and we play with the horse and we open up these conversations. So we're going to simulate that with ourselves. And here's my promise. I will improve the posture of every single person in the room without ever telling anybody in particular what they need to do to improve their posture. So there's my, if you're, if that's intriguing. And so we, once we experience that as humans, then when we do it with a horse, it's like, ah, that felt really amazing to me. So now we're approaching it, the, these exercises that might be hard for some horses, mm-hmm. but we're going to do it with it. Not with thinking I'm going to make you do this hard thing, but like, come on, if you do this, you're going to feel amazing afterwards. Just come on, come with me. just Trust me a minute. Like just move those haunches around because <laughs> you'll feel amazing afterwards and you can, trust that because you've already experienced it in your own body. So that's my, pr- that's my promise. I will improve everybody's posture in the room mm-hmm. without ever telling mm-hmm. any one person what they should do.
0: I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I have
1: built this up now. I'm freaking out now. <laughs> <laughs> I have cold feet. Amalia. I'm not coming. It's too much
0: pressure. <laughs> and um just kidding. With, speaking of improving posture, I suppose a lot of dressage clinics are about that. And I'm going to bring up something controversial. I know you've written a whole blog about it, which is stop trying to get your horse on the bit. Um, Can you elaborate on why you we shouldn't really be focusing on that alone um, and how that applies to posture?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess when I when I started riding without a bit and then sometimes even without anything on the horse's head, uh, my neighbor, who's a dressage trainer, she would joke, she'd be like, oh, look, you're really getting your horse on the nose, <laughs> you know? Like, if there's no bit, what do you call it? So um the idea that we're not trying to create a shape, we're trying to create a posture, and everything affects posture. Everything affects posture. And so when you think of, in you know, in sort of the narrow focus of of dressage when people think i need to get my horse round i need him on the bit and so we're thinking of a shape and a tool and unfortunately then a lot of dressage riders get stuck with contact problems like contact issues and you know are one of the leading issues that that dressage riders have so what i discovered what i didn't discover it but what I found when I was experimenting with not riding horses with anything on their head. And when I thought about the horse more globally, mental, emotional, physical, general well-being, general, you know, attitude towards life, when I thought about that whole horse, I started realizing that their posture was improving and making the dressage easier. So for me, the, you know, the holistic view of the posture. And then if we want the horse round, the the neck of the horse is really a reflection of what the body's doing. And I found when I got the body really aligned and balanced, the neck the neck gets almost all the way there itself. And whatever it doesn't, you can make tiny little adjustments that make it easier to get that last little bit. And then the horse ends up, if there's reins there, they meet the reins and they look in the right posture. But I wasn't created by the bit. It wasn't created by the reins. And and the thing is that that's not abnormal. That's what dressage says it's supposed to be. We're supposed to ride the horse from back to front. But unfortunately, that gets translated a lot to drive and hold. But it, I work my horses from back to front, meaning I'm thinking about where their legs are. I'm thinking about, you know, the body of the horse. And then the last thing that I get precise about is the front. And then it's much easier and there's much fewer contact problems. So it's sort of a taking that global view and it might sound like, yeah, whatever. But if you think, like, think of the analogy of if I was, you know, if if somebody was going to take me to ballet lessons and I really didn't want to go and I was like a little bit Tired and hungry, and I hated the teacher, and I found it boring. And I was like, Okay, everybody, like, embody, like, pretend you're playing somebody who's like bored, resentful, doesn't want to go, maybe a little bit untrusting and fearful. And how are you sitting now? And now take that body and try to put it in the right place. Like, well, somebody strapped your chin down and then put another strap to poke your shoulders back. And then you're still slumping. So they poked you in the ribs. Okay, I could get my body all in the right place. i laughing because she can see the video. Of this. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm in the right posture. Right? So but it it's not you can tell it's not real. And if you take any of those straps and pokey things away, I'm going to just slump right back. And I'm probably gonna be worse now, because now I'm really pissed off. So I'm exaggerating, right? That doesn't mean I think that's how all dressage is done. I'm yeah. exaggerating. But then you take someone and you go, hey, Karen, want to go play with some dogs and puppies? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then like my posture just immediately improved. Yeah. And now yeah. if you said, oh, can you move your your neck just like one degree in your shoulder? You know, use your rhomboid. I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> no problem. That's a small change. Yeah. So yeah, it's the idea of just not starting with feeling like I need my horse on the vertical and now I need to keep going. And, and it's, you know, it's, that's one of those concepts that even at very high refined levels, if you're still thinking the contact, you know, that the posture is created by the contact that can cause a lot of problems, a lot of problems. And and I've helped, you know, Grand Prix rider with their uh, Grand Prix horse who is leaning on the bit in their canter pirouettes, and she wanted more self carriage. And I started with just asking him to halt and stand still on a long rein, which drive him crazy. But um, you know, that that once we got that and we thought about the mental emotional state of the horse and his understanding and self-carriage, <clears throat> then after we did that for a while, then it was like, okay, oh, you now pick up the reins into your canter wet. And it was like, oh he's not leaning on the contact. He's not right. So I just whenever I see contact issues, I dial right back and I think, well, You know what are the other things that have to come before that? Let's address those, and then when we do, we'll see if there's still a contact issue. Yeah, that was a little bit got a little bit babbling, but no, that (laughs) that makes
0: sense. Yeah, everything you said in response to that question, I feel like if you're listening to this, pause, rewind, listen again, because I feel like it really
1: (laughs) there's a lot there. (laughs) There's
0: a lot there, but I think it's it's really important because this is the way that I would like to see dressage change for the mainstream you know in the future like it would be amazing to see people playing with posture more without relying on the reins um, instead of thinking that it's all about the contact and manipulating the head and neck into a certain shape and kind of faking it so um, I'm really excited to see how we can all put that into practice in the clinic in September. Do you have Any other thoughts or advice or tips or anything that you want to share for people coming to the clinic or anyone attending a dressage naturally clinic in the future um, before we wrap up today's show?
1: Oh, I think, I mean, I think we've said it all. I think that um, I'll just share my favorite quote. So I think that just will sum everything up is to never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. And, you know, just come with an open, Open mind and an open heart, and ready to just you know see what we see and play together and I think there's gonna be some really fun and valuable things that you'll get out of it and um I enjoy meeting everybody.
0: So exciting. And remember for anyone listening that you need to sign up before the end of July, if you want to get access to that pre-clinic virtual meeting happening in August. So just head to my website and I will put a link in the show notes for you to register. So very excited to see everyone there in August at the pre-clinic meeting and also in September at Cromwell Park. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast again today, Karen. It's been great speaking with you again and yeah, so excited.
1: Well, I thank you. And I just wanted to give you another thank you for just raising your hand to host these clinics from so far away. I could not do this without an amazing local host and, and you just raised your hand and are making it happen. And I just really, really, really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at amalia underscore horses or my website amaliadempsey.com where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence and I'll
1: see you in the next episode.